Praise the Lord. Welcome to the house of the Lord. If you're glad to be in the house of the Lord, give him some praise. There we go. Yes. Well, tonight we're going to uh, move things right along. We're going to get right into our devotion at the beginning tonight. Uh, but before we do, I'd like to, this is our night of prayer, and Sister Susan will be speaking here in a little bit, and she'll, have, she'll give us direction and pray at the end of the service. But before, I'd like for, as you would, stand with me, and let's pray for the state of Florida. They are getting struck by a hurricane. And uh, we have 800 churches in the Church of God in Florida, not counting all the other denominations, but our denomination is 800 churches, 170,000 members in Florida alone. And the state is getting hit hard. And I want you to join me in praying for them, for their lives, and for the hand of protection of God be upon them, because God can't help. Amen? So pray with me, please. Father, we come tonight in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Father, we lift up to unite the state of Florida, which involves a lot of people, Father. And God, I'm just praying right now that what they're experiencing, what they're going through, Father, that God, you would show up with a hand of protection, God. I pray for provision to be there for those people, Lord. I pray for those that are fearful, Lord, and they're scared right now, that you'd comfort those people. I pray for their lives, Lord, that we would not have to have a lot of casualties, God. Then hopefully, God, with your help, God will have none. Father, I'm just praying and believing that, God, you're able to do this and ask for this prayer from Missouri. Father, because we know you're the God of this universe, and everything that happens, God, you're very aware of it. And we're just praying for those that are down there, Lord, those that are the rescue teams that are there, Father. Make sure there's plenty there to help those people that are in need, Father. Help them to have a quick restoration take place in their communities, God, to build back and get back what they need. I pray, God, Lord, that you help them have the food and necessities that are necessary in this time, Lord, Father, and the power to be restored back unto them, Lord. Father, we pray for them, and God, we ask and we hold them up to you tonight. Father, we have 800 churches alone in our denomination that are there, and I pray those churches, Lord, will be spared from the destruction, Lord. And I also pray that those churches will be involved in the restoration of these communities, Father, that you'll help them, Lord, and give them the resources they need, Lord, to reach their communities in a time like this. I pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ will rise to the top, that many will find you through this storm, God, that they'll find that you are their safety, God, and you are their help and very present help in times of trouble, God. We give you praise in all things. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, this time, if you have tithes and offering, by the way, you can drop them at the black boxes on your way out tonight. This time, would you please welcome Susan Tidwell. Okay. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I'm going to... I'm going to bring a word to you tonight that the Lord has placed on my heart. In fact, it's been about three weeks ago. I woke up in the middle of the night and he talked to me about unification. And that word just kept going and over in my mind. And I, I thought, okay, God, this is what you want me to speak on. But I started to go another direction with it and work out. And I'm thinking, okay. What am I going to do? Because as of three days ago, and I know God is stretching me, I really didn't have this put together. 
But what I'm giving you tonight, I hope helps you um, in realizing how important it is of the body of Christ to be unified as one. In the book of Corinthians, Paul has a lot to say about unity in the body. With all of the body, Christ working together in unity, there is nothing that we can't accomplish. As we move forward in revival, it is vital for the body to remain alert at all times because the enemy would love nothing more than to destroy our unity because he knows how powerful it is to have it. And as we move in revival in this church, the enemy does not like that. We are unified in revival. And he's wanting to put a stop to the unity in the church. He wants to destroy that. He wants to separate people. He wants to divide people. So the definition of definition of unity is the state of being joined as a whole, as one in agreement. It is the condition of harmony or accord. It is without deviation or change in purpose or action. Unity in the church body affects the church's ability to be productive for the kingdom. If there is not unity, the result is division, chaos, and confusion. Unity in the church body testifies to the unity of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three in one to be mirrored by the body of Christ. And unity of the church body testifies of the unity of the gospel message, one of hope, one of faith, and one of baptism. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to, for you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. And Steve, if you would go ahead and put that on the board for me. I'm going to start with verse 12 in chapter 12. Now, verse 12, Paul compares Christ's spiritual body, the church, to the human body. And just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts forms one body, so it is with Christ. In verses 13 and 14, Paul focuses on the spiritual unity of the church as Christ's body. Verse 13 says, For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentiles, slave or free. And we, are, we were all given the one spirit to drink. And even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Verses 15 through 12 emphasizes on the fact that each individual member must appreciate his God-given role and contribution made personally to the well-being of Christ's spiritual body. Verse 15 says, Now if the foot should say, 
because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ears say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all just one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. In verses 21 through 27, Paul states, God has designed the body that no matter how important one part may be, it cannot function properly without dependence above, on all the body. People with more obvious gifts should not look down on others. Certain parts of the body may appear to be less, but the body cannot do without them. We are one body. I'll use our pastor as an example. He is our shepherd. He is our leader, but he needs the church body and depends on us. Just as the church body needs and depends on him. We may not have the same gifts that he has. We may not have the same gifts. He may not have the same gifts that we have. But all gifts of the body are needed. One not greater than the other. Verse 21 says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, which means they are absolutely necessary to the body functioning. Rich, poor, whatever nationality, there is no difference. We are part of the body. God has created us to do a work. God has created us with a purpose to fulfill. It is important and it is vital to the body. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. And while our presentable parts need no special treatment... But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that all, that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part of the body suffers, every part of the body suffers. If one part of the body is honored, Every part rejoices with it. We are one body of believers made of many individual members. We all have had different experiences in life, came from different backgrounds, have different gifts, have different talents, have different abilities, 
We have different hobbies and we have different interests, but we are brought together by one common thread, which is Jesus Christ. And although we are individually different, we must have unity in our midst of our diversity. All are needed. We all are important. There's not one person more important than the other. In Christ, there is none greater than the other. He loves us equally. He does not love one more than the other. So I want to give you a warning after saying that verse. Do not get caught up in the comparison trap. God did not create us all to be the same. Each add to the body of Christ to accomplish the work of the kingdom of God. I know I've said it myself. Oh, I wish I had talent like that one. Oh, I wish I could do that. Oh, well, she does that better. I wish I could speak like that one. God has given given you a talent and a gift to use for him. One unique and one specific to you. We are not in a contest here. We are all one. When we are unified as one, then the power of God will be activated to operate in the body of Christ. And that's Acts 4.31. So I want to just, I've read that and we've talked about being unified in the body and about the, we're all being one. But I want to take a minute and I want to talk about one piece of the armor the Roman soldiers used to wear and how unity was vital for effective warfare against the enemy. Roman soldiers were diverse individuals that were unified to be empowered with one in purpose, and that was to defeat the enemy and have victory. In fact, the Roman army became known as a force to be reckoned with. They were one of the most advanced armies of their time and known specifically for their shields. No other army possessed such a complex and sturdy piece of armor that gave them clear advantage in battle. So there were two types of armor. One of them was a round armor, kind of like a trash can uh, lid that they used for on-ground combat or one-on-one combat. Or they used a longer which was like a door, and it was called a scutum, which is thought this is what Paul was speaking about in Ephesians 6 and 16. This shield was oblong and typically two feet wide, four feet long, shaped almost like a door consisting of planks and wood fused together. The wood was covered by canvas, Then in leather, iron was built into the center as a hub and extended to the extreme edges of the shield from the top of the shield to the bottom of the shield. This made the shield withstand the hard-hitting strokes during close combat. The shield was large and capable 
of covering the whole body of a soldier when he was crouched down. This shield also had the capability to link soldiers together with other members' shields. The shield was designed for protection from assault of flaming arrows launched to target and launched to destroy. These flaming arrows were not primarily meant to kill, but they were meant to distract and they were meant to disable. The tips were coated in pitch, set on fire, and launched in the air toward their target. And can I tell you that the enemy wants to distract the church body and send flaming arrows to preoccupy us and destroy the unity that empowers us. He has studied our individual habits. He knows our deepest fears. He knows our insecurities. He knows our intimidations. He knows our anxieties. He knows our worry and the, our, busy, our busyness to keep us distracted from the power of unity in the body of Christ. In Ephesians 6, 10, Paul describes that we must wear our armor daily. It must be active and all pieces working together to be effective, to fight and to win the attacks that we are going to face as a body from the enemy. But there's one thing that is the glue to our armor, and that is our greatest weapon, and that is unity in prayer and in praise. And here's what corporate prayer and praise will do. It disrupts the invisible realm. It invites the Holy Spirit in. It connects heaven to earth. It in, and it penetrates light into darkness. It casts off oppressive works of darkness. It silences the enemy. And it is the ordained strength of God. Using our weapon of prayer and praise will make us a force to be reckoned with, just like the Roman soldiers. So when the Roman soldiers were advancing in battle, they would hold their shields in front of them. They would link together, creating a wall of defense. Then they would move forward in unity, allowing them to have the power to gain ground against their enemy. I need 10 men to come up here, and I have... Ten shields up here. I want to demonstrate what this looks like. I need ten men. Thank you. Don't make me call you out. <laughs> so if you would get one, there's some things to hang on to in the back. And just form a straight line here. I just need you to line up in a straight line. Just it's a little bit of space between you. Let me get another one on this side over here. Okay, divide out just a little bit. So I, I tried to put something together 
with these shields. Um, the length on these are correct, but probably the width is not that the Roman soldiers used. So what they did to advance to the front, to keep moving and pressing the enemy, they linked together. Bring your, bring your uh, shields together. Touching, your shields touching each other. There should, there should be no spaces in between. <laughs> Sean, put yours up just a little bit more. There you go. Okay. Bring them together just a little as, as you can. All right. This, this is good right here. So this is what happened. They lined up in a row. Remember, they were in one with one purpose, and that was to be victorious, and that was to defeat the enemy. So they linked because these shields were able, they had locks on them, and they were able to be linked together where it was just one straight shield. And what happened as they advanced in unity they moved forward. So when I tell you to take a step, I want you to stay unified here in one line. But I'm going to have you to advance forward. So press forward. <laughs> press forward. Press forward. Press forward. They're pushing the enemy back. They're unified. And as one, as one unit here, not individual persons, they are pushing the enemy back. Now, if you guys would keep your shields, but just stand back. We're going to do one other thing here in a minute. So additionally, the Roman soldiers received extensive training in precise formations that made it impossible to pass through them. When the enemy was launching flaming arrows, the soldiers would use their shields more strategically. They would dip their shields in water, then huddle together as a group, some hoisting their shields overhead, some to the side, some in the front, creating a damp, dense shell of protection above them. Then linking their shields together, it not only deflected the arrows, but it also extinguished the arrows. And this, what I'm going to show you here, is the formation that they used, and it's called the turtle formation. So I need Randy, Eddie, Chuck, come up here. Are you able to kneel down? Okay. So kneel down with your shield. Make sure your face is covered. Okay. So I need, just give me you three here. You're going to stand right behind them. And what you're going to do is you're going to extend your shield this way, like this. But make sure that this part covers yourself as well. 
Okay. I need two shields on this end, facing out. Just come over this way, right in front of him and you right here. I'm going to put you right next to him. There you go. Yeah. Sean, can you come with me over to this side? (laughs) Yes, you are. Sean, come stand right here in front of Randy and face out this way. No, stand up. Let's here. Turn around here. There you go. Just turn around facing like him. There you go. Now, extend your shit set yours to the back. Yeah, lean them back. There you go. You two, lean yours over. Now, since I don't have locks on these, I can't just push them all the way together. But you get the idea. This was a shell covering during battle that they would make this formation then when the arrows of the enemy were launched in attack, because these shields were dipped in water, the arrows would hit the shields. None of the soldiers were harmed, and the, the fire was put out, wouldn't even penetrate into the shield. They were protected. They were covered. That's what being unified as one does. So I need you to put down your shields back there and I need you to, um, well, go ahead and just put your shields back and come right back up here and stand in a line just for a few minutes. Link your hands together. We've seen their defense. This is our defense. Number one, we have to daily wear the armor of God. Step forward. Number two, our hands raised, linked together. Raise your hands up. Step forward. Pressing forward in united prayer and praise for the kingdom. Press forward. Loving one another. Press forward. Now let's stretch out. Randy, can you, we we may have to step back a little bit. Just and form your line there. And we have to be united in being alert from the enemy's attack. And that is what prayer and praise does. If there is not unity in battle, unlink here. Unlink here. Unlink here. You're not unified. And what you have done is you have allowed a gap you have allowed a gap for the enemy to come right through. 
Well, let me get that back up here. <laughs> so, I cannot stress enough. Thank you, guys. I cannot stress enough how powerful it is as a part of the body of Christ to be linked together, uniting our faith, forcing the enemy to retreat, and advancing for the kingdom of God. That is what we're here for, is to advance in the kingdom of God. Not stay where we're at, not sit down, not say, I'm too old. We all have to be unified from young to old to advance forward for the kingdom. And here's what unity in the body of Christ does. The unity in the Christ, <clears throat> body of Christ attracts God's favor and his anointing. Where there is unity, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit will be present and operating. God will command his favor. How many wants favor? How many wants blessing? Where there is unity. Think about it. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost when the believers were what? In one mind and one accord. If we want God to empower us and bless us, there has to be unity in the church. God can't bless division. God isn't attracted to disunity when he is a God of unity. There is unity in the Godhead and he expects there to be unity among his people. Number two, unity leads us to greater productivity. Ecclesiastes 4 and 9 says, two are better than one. Because they have a more satisfying reward for their labor. For if the either of them falls, then one will lift up his companion. Jesus also sent out his disciples in pairs of twos. We can achieve more together than we can separately. Three, unity leads to sustainability. A house divided cannot stand. It cannot last. The same is true for a church, our church. If the church is divided, it will not accomplish what it is supposed to accomplish, and it will not be everything that God wants it to be. The church that is divided will eventually implode from within. It will destroy itself Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So let me tell you some of the hindrances to unity. One is unforgiveness. The unwillingness to forgive someone who has wronged you hinders unity. Number two, bitterness Unforgiveness turns to bitterness and resentment. When we fail to forgive others, we hold on to our hurts and we hold grudges against those that hurt us. God commands us to serve one another, to love one another, and to forgive one another. 
Number three, jealousy. When we are jealous and envious of others and what God does in their lives and how God uses it to them, it creates division rather than unity. When we covet our peop- other people's gifts rather than celebrate their gifts, there will always be division. Self-focus. When you believe in Jesus, you become a part of God's family, the body of Christ. And therefore, you have to lose the me mentality. It's no longer just about you. And when the focus is on me, myself, and I, unity will be missing in the church. Philippians 2 and 4 says, don't just look out for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others as well to consider others more important than yourself. Think about this. If everything, everyone took care of the needs of someone else, everyone's needs would be met. But if we come to church thinking, what can the church do for me? No one gets helped and the unity of the church will never be developed. So how do we restore unity? Number one, we pray for one another. We bear one another's burdens. It's difficult to be mad, angry, or hold grudges when, uh, with others when you're praying for them. Prayer changes things, but most of all, prayer changes you. Loving one another. John 13 and 14 says to love one another just as I have loved you. So you are also to love one another. The world will know that we belong to Jesus when we love one another. True love for one another will lead to real unity. Love is work, the work of the Holy Spirit. Love should flow from our lives naturally as believers. If we have Christ within us, love should flow naturally. And if it is not, we may need to examine our hearts. Letting go of the past. (laughs) I came from a family that did not forget one thing that happened during my entire life or many people's lives. And I prayed. I said, Lord, I do not want to be like that. I don't want to keep dwelling on the past. I, I, I don't want to get caught up in that trap. But this may be one of the hardest things to do. But letting go of what is behind us will go a long way in helping us to build unity. Philippians 3, 13 through 14 says, To forget the past, to look forward to what lies ahead, to press on to reach the end of the race, to receive the heavenly prize we are being too many people can't move on because they are stuck in the past whether it's reliving the good times or reopening the wounds of the bad times we can learn from it but we can't let it hold on to us we have to let go of the past so that we can move forward 
And the last thing is we have to bear one another's burdens. The church should be a place where we lift one another up, not cut them down. Help each other through life. We are to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. We are in this life alone. You have 700, 700 brothers and whatever the number is, sisters in Christ. You are not alone. No one here today should feel like they have to face what they are going through by themselves. The family of God in unity should be a support, encouraging system for each other. We should be able to share what is going on in our life without fear or without judgment. And I want to end with this story before we pray. Several centuries ago, ancient China wanted to secure its borders from its northern invaders. So they built a great wall in China to protect the border. The massive wall stretched for 1,500 miles. It was 12 to 40 feet wide and 20 to 50 feet high. The wall was too high for the enemy to scale, too thick to tear it down, and too long to go around it. They also posted soldiers at different places at this wall, and it was built wide enough to, on the top for chariots to patrol. If they heard an attack at a distant location, they would easily get to it. Being up high gave them superior advantage over their enemies. They knew that they had protected their borders sufficiently against all enemies and thought no one would try to come against them, so they began to let their guard down. But in the first 100 years of the Great Wall of China, the nation was invaded three times. How? They were not attacked from the outside of the walls, but a gatekeeper was bribed by the enemy who entered into the land undetected. The enemy will keep trying to disrupt the unity in the body of Christ any way that he can. Even using the weak places we don't see, then letting our guard down, then we open up ourselves to a surprise attack. Like the story I just read, it takes all of the body of Christ standing in unity as one, all remaining alert, all parts working, all parts moving, and all parts pressing forward at all times to fulfill our calling as a church, church body, and the purpose for the kingdom of God. We must be one. God is calling us to be one. And as I was going through this message, I said, Lord, people are going to think I'm, I'm getting on to them or something. But that's not what this is about. This is to make you alert. That we have to be one unit, one family. Moving together in the same direction as our leaders. And not allowing division to come in or our own opinions and to be servants for the Lord. 
So for prayer tonight, I'm going to have everyone in this house come up here, and I want you to form a circle. You can come up through here around me. Um, just come on up. Come on up and around cause so we can have a complete circle. Link together by holding hands. You should be holding someone's hand. The first thing we're going to do, Randy, I'm going to have you. I want you to pray over our body, over our church as the Lord leads you to pray. Father, we come to you tonight as a body, a body that has a desire to be united as one, Father, to be one with the Father. We understand the importance of that, Father, that a body being not neatly fitted together, and that, God, Lord, there's strength when we're like that, that when we're together, Lord, that we're two or three are gathered, even in our prayer life, you're in our midst. But when we bring this whole body together, Lord, there's power in this room. There's power for the kingdom of God, for the working of the kingdom of God. And God, as we come together as a body, I pray, Father, for a hand of protection to be over this body, just like you've circled this room, circled this place, circle these people. God, protect their lives and keep them. I pray for the provisions of God to be upon this body, God. I pray that you make us whole, Father. I pray that there be healing in this room, Father. And that, Father, when we prefer our brother or we prefer our sister, God, then we've got ourselves out of the way and we put you in their way. And, Father, that way that you, God, are the way maker, you can make a way when there seems to be no way, Father. Father, we're, we're asking you to lead us and guide us and direct us in the path of righteousness, Father. We're asking you, God, to be the, our shepherd, Father. We're asking you, God, to show up, God, and lead the way, Lord, that we can follow you, Lord, to the places that you want us to go. Father, we act, ask for the hand of protection to be up on us, to guard us from the enemy, from the attacks, Lord, from the infiltration of the enemy, God, that our minds would be open, that we'd be keen, and we'd be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that we would have a spirit of discernment, one that God makes us look out for one another, Lord, to prefer our brother, to look at each other, Father, and care for one another, to be there, Lord, when they need us, God, to be there as a family, Lord. You've brought us together for a purpose for such a time as this. We have a purpose, and you have a plan for us, God, and we're asking, God, that we do all that you've called us to do 
that we would not allow a hindrance or the enemy to stop or stifle what you've called us to do, but that we together will be mighty and strong, that we will be an army that's been placed in this region for this time, God, Lord, to do that which you've called us to do. This is our territory, and we proclaim it for the kingdom of God, Lord, and that God, Lord, will do all those things you've called us to do, Lord, for your name's sake, Father Lord. For God, you are before us, you're behind us, God, and you're our protection, you're our shield, and God, we come to you tonight, Lord, asking you, Lord, Father, that in this time we're here together tonight, do something. Do something in us and through us and around us, Father, that would make us stronger than we've ever been, God, Lord, so that we can be that which you desire us to be in Jesus' mighty name. So with our hands linked together, I want you to raise them up, and I want us to spend a season of praise to the Lord because praise and prayer are our mighty weapons of defense. And praying together in unity and is in one not only brings victory, but there's power in our prayers. So let's just, let's just, however you want to, I want you to just pray into the Lord. I want you to praise the Lord. And let's just spend a season worshiping him who is great, who is mighty, who is worthy, who's our protector. He is our shield. He is our fortress. He has protected us for so many th- from so many things. He is the Godhead. He is three in one. He is omnipotent. He is our father. He is our deliverer. He is our hope. He is our, fu- he is our future. He is our present. Let's just give him praise tonight. Come on, let's pray, saints. Let's praise his name tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God, we give you praise. God, we give you praise tonight because you're worthy. You're worthy, God. We are your people. Lord, you are so wonderful, God, and we give you thanks, dear Lord. We thank you, God, that you are always with us and never forsake us, God. Lord, we thank you, God, that when we pray, you are faithful to hear us and deliver. Thank you, God. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood you shed just for me, Lord. Lord, I just give you praise, Lord, for the healings, God, that you have done. Lord, I give you praise. Lord, for every person, God, in this body, God, Lord, I give you praise, dear God, and I ask blessings, Lord, on their lives. God, I pray that you would bind us together tonight with cords that cannot be broken, God, to move forward for your name, Lord, to not be afraid, God, to not be fearful, God. Lord, to not want to sit down, Lord, to not want to give up, but to stand up, God, unified as one, Lord, and move forward, Lord, to accomplish, Lord, what you want us to accomplish. Lord, I give you praise. I give you praise because you're worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, God, that dwells among us, God. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. 
Lord, you have been so faithful to me, and I give you praise. Lord, I give you praise. I give you praise, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with love. Oh, bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with love. The last thing I want to do here, and we used to do this quite often at the church that I came from. We, I want to have Danny just put on a little bit of music, very softly. And I want us, us to spend some time with, in fellowship with one another. And I'm not mean just with your friends or the people you know. Go, go hug somebody. Go pat somebody on the shoulder and tell them you love them, that you're glad they're here. Let's just spend some good old-fashioned fellowship time together.